handled it and brought it down. And can't you take some other text, say you? All this is mighty well, but if you have set your heart on a certain dish for dinner, be it cold boiled veal or what you will, and they bring you turtle and venison, don't you feel disappointed? During your walk you've been making up your mind that that cold meat, with moderation and a pickle, will be a very sufficient dinner. You have accustomed your thoughts to it, and here in place of it is a turkey surrounded by coarse sausages, or a reeking pigeon pie, or a fulsome roast pig. I have known many a good and kind man made furiously angry by such a contretemps. I have known him lose his temper, call his wife and servants names, and a whole household made miserable." If, then, as is notoriously the case, it is too dangerous to balk a man about his dinner, how much more about his article? I came to my meal with an ogre-like appetite and gusto. Fee-for-fum! Wife, where is that tender little princekin? Have you trussed him, and did you stuff him nicely, and have you taken care to baste him and do him not too brown, as I told you? Quick, I am hungry! I begin to wet my knife, to roll my eyes about, and roar and clap my huge chest like a gorilla, and then my poor Ogrina has to tell me that the little princes have all run away while she was in the kitchen, making the paste to bake them in. I pause in the description. I won't condescend to report the bad language, which you know must ensue, when an ogre whose mind is ill-regulated and whose habits of self-indulgence are notorious, finds himself disappointed of his greedy hopes. What treatment of his wife, what abuse and brutal behaviour to his children, who, though ogrillons, are children, my dears, you may fancy, and need not ask my delicate pen to describe the language and behaviour of a vulgar, coarse, greedy, large man with an immense mouth and teeth, which are too frequently employed in the gobbling and crunching of raw man's meat. And in this circuitous way, you see, I have reached my present subject, which is ogres. You fancy they are dead, or only fictitious characters, mythical representatives of strength, cruelty, stupidity, and lust for blood. Though they had seven-leagued boots, you remember all sorts of little whipping-snapping tom-thumbs used to elude and outrun them. They were so stupid that they gave into the most shallow ambuscades and artifices. Witness that well-known ogre, who, because Jack cut open the hasty pudding, instantly ripped open his own stupid waistcoat and interior. They were cruel, brutal, disgusting, with their sharpened teeth, immense knives, and roaring voices. But they always ended by being overcome by little Tom Thumbkins, or some other smart little champion. Yes, they were conquered in the end, there is no doubt. They plunged headlong, and uttering the most frightful bad language, into some pit where Jack came with his smart couteau de chasse and whipped their brutal heads off. They would be going to devour maidens, but ever when it seemed their need was at the sorest, a knight in armour bright came riding through the forest.
and down, after a combat, would go the brutal persecutor with a lance through his midriff. Yes, I say, this is very true and well. But you remember that round the ogre's cave the ground was covered for hundreds and hundreds of yards with the bones of the victims whom he had lured into the castle. Many knights and maids came to him and perished under his knife and teeth. Were dragons the same as ogres? Monsters dwelling in caverns whence they rushed, attired in plate armour, wielding pikes and torches, and destroying stray passengers who passed by their lair? Monsters, brutes, rapacious tyrants, ruffians as they were, doubtless they ended by being overcome. But before they were destroyed, they did a deal of mischief. The bones round their caves were countless. They had sent many...